Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and return Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Speaking of five-star reviews, I'd like to give a special thanks to Amber Gomez, who says, amazing, five stars. Amber writes, Hey Tyler, my name is Amber and I'm currently a sophomore in college. I've been dreaming of joining the Peace Corps since high school and listening to your podcast has helped me learn so much more about it. I bought your book and I'm almost done. Thank you for sharing these stories from different volunteers because it motivates me and inspires me even more to join after college. Keep up the good work. Amber, thank you for buying my book. Thank you for listening to my podcast and thank you for your kind words. I look forward to one day having the opportunity to tell your story. On this week's episode, I talked to Julie Brown, who served in El Salvador from 2014 to 2016, but currently she works in Uganda in international development. We talk about the differences between working in international development at her level now and serving as a Peace Corps volunteer. Then we talk about her new clothing company that she launched in Uganda and have a special giveaway for you all. Without further ado, here is episode 33. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Julie Brown and this is my Peace Corps story. Hello, Julie. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Doing very well. I'm glad that you could uh, take some time to talk to me today, given our time difference. I'm calling you from the U.S., and you are currently in Uganda, uh, where you work. Um, so it's great that we can actually connect over such great distances uh, thanks to technology. So I'm excited to hear about your service and what you're doing now in Uganda. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having me. So first for the audience, uh, just start off telling them a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Julie Brown? Where did you serve in Peace Corps? And what were you doing there? Sure. Um, I, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in El Salvador from June of 2014 to 2016 when we were evacuated from the country um, because of insecurity and gang violence in the region that uh, during my service, I primarily worked with Southern Fishing Community by the Laguna de Metapan, and I was working with them on a safe drinking water project and also on um, some other activities like building a community center and helping the community get legal rights for that land title for the community center. Mm -hmm. And when you say a safe drinking water project, what, what did that actually look like? Were they wells or some sort of filtration? Uh, what were the projects that you were doing? Yeah, that, why, I was primarily focused on 
And something I learned immediately after moving into the community, I was almost constantly sick from the water. And the water by the Laguna de Metapan, there was a large city of the city of Metapan. All of the sewage from the city was entering the lagoon. And that sewage was going into the groundwater that people were drinking. And we did water tests on the water. We saw E. coli, fecal counts. It was very contaminated. And then from there, we were looking at a centralized water purification system that would be able to give safe drinking water, potable water to everyone in the southern fishing community. Unfortunately, I was making a lot of really great progress on that project with the Directiva de Agua of the seven fishing communities. But right in January 2016, right when I was building a lot of momentum in the last nine months of my Peace Corps service, um, Peace Corps made the decision to close the post in El Salvador. Mm. Well, then I guess it, it's very fitting that you, you know, not being able to finish that project, you went on to do the work that you're currently doing. Uh, so so what are you doing uh, now in Uganda? Yes. Um, in Uganda, I'm currently the country director of an organization called Impact Water. And Impact Water works with schools across the country. We're currently working with over 1,600 schools. We sell water purification systems to the schools with microfinancing options. So for the cost for a student to have safe drinking water is about 50 cents per school term. And we've just opened up new offices in Kenya and Nigeria, and it's really exciting the amount of impact that we're able to have. We currently impact over 800,000 children every day, and we're looking at passing the 1 million mark this year. Awesome. It sounds like you're doing excellent work. And as someone who studied uh, water issues actually in school, I could talk for hours about this stuff with you. But that's not what people uh, came to this episode to, to learn about. So let's go back to your Peace Corps experience in El Salvador. Uh, tell us a little bit about your community, because you're actually, I think when this episode comes out, you'll have been the third person um, who I've actually talked to who served in El Salvador. Uh, but, you know, there are varying ranges of, of climates and communities in there. So what was it like for, sure. for you in your the, these fishing villages that you were working in? Sure. I was working in the community. Um, I was living in Bendición de Dios. And I was living, at the time, one of the poorest communities in El Salvador and also one of the hottest in the country. Um, that It was a very humble kind of community that kind of what people think that Peace Corps is of living in a house with a dirt floor, having a latrine, bucket baths. Um, but at the same time, what was really interesting about my community was how strong the community's leadership was. And I think that was really exciting for me as a Peace Corps volunteer, that even though I was evacuated from El Salvador, seeing how they continued uh, the project that we started working on. And definitely El Salvador, uh, parts of El Salvador are very cold. Um, some parts even have a little bit of snow at times in the highest mountain, El Pizal. But this was definitely very hot, very dry, 
Uh, people use traditional fishing techniques of big nets to rope the fish together in the Laguna. Uh, so definitely a different perspective than some volunteers. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. That's I mean that's why I asked because I guess I had yeah. made the made the assumption in, in a prior interview that oh El Salvador you know being where it is it's probably very warm and the, the, the mm-hmm. person correcting me is like actually no I was high up in the mountains it snowed every now and then so yeah. it's, you know within a country you have so many different climates and communities. Speaking of your community. Can you share with us a, a favorite memory from your time in El Salvador? It was just um, a normal day in my community that the community had organized to have a cleanup. Um, so I was using a corbata, which is kind of like um, a machete with other people that were just whacking the weeds and the brush that had grown on the side of the road. And then end of cleaning up all of these weeds. Um, I found out that the community had come together um, to buy me a cake for my birthday and saying happy birthday to me. And it was just, it was something really small, but um, I knew the kind of organizing that had to go into that of people contributing 25 cents, 50 cents um, to make me feel special and appreciated. And I think especially working with the leadership of the community um, Don Elvin, Don Rubin, um, Sandra, our community's president, was very inspiring for me. No, it definitely it, a lot of your your service really depends on on the community that that you're in, and you know if you have those people that are willing to work with you. Uh, and uh, is the birthday cake uh, the one that is in the picture that you sent me? Yes, yes, that's that's the one. Awesome. So if anybody who's listening and actually wants to see uh, Julie with this uh, birthday cake, uh, make sure you check out uh, the, the show notes. Now, what were some of the, the struggles that you had uh, as a volunteer in El Salvador? Definitely, we were in the country at a very challenging time for the future of Peace Corps El Salvador. And still today, um, unfortunately, the post hasn't opened again in Peace Corps. And it was very trying in 2012. A volunteer in Honduras was shot on a bus in an armed robbery. And the programs in Guatemala and El Salvador were significantly reduced. And the program in Guatemala has continued to grow. Um, but unfortunately, the race has deemed that the country is unsafe. Thing that was very challenging was to live by the philosophy of a Peace Corps volunteer and try to integrate into a community. And then when the decision was made to leave, that to try to say, I'm one of you, but then in that moment of the evacuation to show your American privilege, that actually the situation is dangerous for me so I can't be one of you and I have to go. So that was a hard note to leave on and knowing that things in El Salvador have not significantly improved since we left in 2016. Mm-hmm. And have you been able to, you know, really keep in touch with them, uh, with your community? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, sending some Facebook messages, getting some photos. That it's it's a mix. That um, I know on one hand uh, that things have been very challenging. That especially living in a fishing community. About a year ago, some members from my community sent me pictures of the lagoon, and it had completely dried up. Their primary source of income. That that was devastating on the community. But then, on the other hand, seeing the development that's still in motion, that one of the community leaders, Don Carlos, called me to say that they had a meeting with a government official that I had helped put the community in touch with about getting land um, to secure the safe drinking water project. And it's a slower process uh, to secure that title, but seeing that they're still in that fight and seeing the projects that have been developed um, without me in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And what do you miss about El Salvador and, you know, serving as a Peace Corps volunteer? Definitely. There's, there's so many things that I miss that it almost changes by the day. That some days I want to eat pupusas, which are these tortillas that are stuffed with beans and cheese. There are other days when I really miss the people that, um, that slow pace of life, um, being able to have a couple hours in the hammock and not being completely normal um but i think of everything i really miss uh, working with the leaders in my community because i was really inspired by them and their drive to improve their lives and the lives of their families Mm -hmm. and is there anything like do you have a a singular takeaway and i know this is hard to sometimes distill down to one thing that you really learned in the Peace Corps, maybe something that you learned that translates to your current role in Uganda? Uh, Definitely. I think the biggest takeaway that I took from Peace Corps was learning about grit. And especially I joined Peace Corps. I was a young university graduate. And dealing with the challenges that Peace Corps volunteers have to deal with, that I've had almost every parasite that there is in El Salvador and dealing with those health challenges, uh, adjusting to a new country and culture that has a completely different view about what a woman should be and what a woman's role is was incredibly challenging at times or the kinds of restrictions that Peace Corps volunteers have to put on themselves because they know that they're living in a bubble and they know that everything they do is being watched. And some things that would be normal to a Peace Corps volunteer, like playing a game of cards, for example, could be taken in a completely different way by the community. So all of those little pressures and stresses that Peace Corps volunteers have to deal with really strengthened me and gave me a lot of grit in my normal day-to-day work in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And then I'm interested to hear you, you talk a little bit about, um, 
I guess the the contrast of you know so you were a Peace Corps volunteer in El Salvador and now you're you know a, a director uh, of a mm-hmm. sounds like a very successful program in Uganda uh, a country mm-hmm. that has you know current volunteers serving in it and you know how how is that very different from going from you know on the ground in the village to having a mm-hmm. director role and what are some of the the challenges there in that difference because I know you probably want to be you know, in the communities doing all this mm-hmm. work, but now you're, you're disconnected from that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That I think something that Peace Corps volunteers get is when I was a Peace Corps volunteer, I felt so connected to the culture in El Salvador. And I had, I learned Spanish. I had a greater understanding of why people did things. The way that they did. But coming to Uganda, in some ways, most people speak English. Um, my Luganda is very limited. And understanding, I still have moments where I actually, I envy some Peace Corps volunteers in Uganda, because I think they would probably understand more about certain cultural situations um, that come up in the office than I do. So I I wish I would have been I I do wish sometimes that I was more connected, but then in contrast, on the other hand, it's very easy for me to do this work because I don't have all the pressures that Peace Corps volunteers have. That I no longer constantly have parasites. Um, I'm able to go to a nice grocery store and get groceries and having um, an eight to five, eight to six kind of job um, can be in some ways a lot easier than being a Peace Corps volunteer and having a 24 seven kind of job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You definitely have that time where you can draw a line between, you know, work at, at, at the office yeah. and then having, you know, free time to have your own life outside of, of work, which is, almost near impossible mm-hmm. for a Peace Corps volunteer. Exactly. <laughs> well, then I guess that's a, a, a perfect segue into um, the work that you're actually doing, um, not in your, your nine to five job, um, but this uh, clothing company uh, that you uh, just mm-hmm. launched, which is sort of, I guess, how I got put in contact with you that someone uh, I guess maybe served in El Salvador at the same time who, who knew you and said, Hey, because uh, I, I, you know, interviewed them on on the podcast and said you need to actually talk to my friend Julie, who just lost launched this awesome company. So tell us a little bit about uh, Kawa and what you're doing with that brand. Sure, Kawa is definitely a passion project of mine. That it started um, because in Uganda, something that I really love is that there are these bright beautiful, bold African fabrics called Hitenge or Chiptenge. And I saw one of my friends who works with a tailor in the north, Susan, who had made her this beautiful peacoat in Kitenge fabric. And I was absolutely obsessed with this peacoat because usually when you see people wearing Kitenge, you would see more conservative clothes, conservative dresses, but you don't see this mix of modern style 
And that's what I really fell in love with, with these clothes. So just on my weekends, time out of work, I started working with different tailors to get samples made. And I came up with the idea and found out a way to send these clothes um, around the world um, to people in Europe, people in the U.S., and sharing these cool designs like infinity scarves, bomber jackets, hoodies um, that I've been really inspired by and have wanted to share with more people. Well, I I definitely love the stuff that you guys are producing because I, you know, doing doing this podcast, I, you know, follow all the Peace Corps hashtags and I'm constantly Googling and searching just to see what people in the community are doing. And there's a lot of people that are producing um, some cool stuff, but it, it tends to be, uh, no, no offense to those people, you know, a lot of pillowcases, uh, placemats, uh, simple things like that. And when I saw a sp- specifically the hoodie um, that you guys have mm-hmm. a photo on your Indiegogo, I was like, okay, now that's something I haven't seen and is really cool. So I like that you guys are, you know, using this to make clothing in such a way that's, you know, not your stereotypical, you know, African shirt or up to, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's bridging that gap and it's a, a lot of fun. So how, mm-hmm. how is the company going? I mean, you launched back in November. Um, how have the past few months been? The past few months, it, it's really been a surprise for me that to see how many people are interested in these clothes. That initially, I set a goal um, to fundraise $3,000 to cover the initial startup fees and advertising that I wanted to do for Kala. And we hit, we're almost at the 5000 mark right now, which has been really exciting. And seeing the interest from uh, across the world that we have um, orders from 13 different countries. And I think the big question that I had was, would people in the U.S. see these kinds of clothes as in the same light as amazing, as wonderful, as bold um, that I do? And I had a fear going into the campaign that I might start this and find that it would just be my mom buying a hoodie jacket. And that would be the end of the campaign. And I would know... Um, that people maybe wouldn't feel like they could wear these prints like I think they can. But it's been so exciting to have even the first orders that we've had that these orders are set, they're ready to be sent to the U.S. And I have family, friends asking me, oh, can you please make another one of those, another one of that? And seeing two in ways that we're pushing the, the boundaries a bit, that we're looking into making crop tops, bomber jackets, um, even bow ties that it's really been a lot of fun um, to work with these designers and see how we can share their vision as well. Well, definitely let me know uh, when you have those bow ties ready. Um, I'd be interested in picking up a few of those as well. <laughs> cool. Yes, we, I, we just finished our first bow tie this week. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, and I definitely think that anybody who's listening that, you know, has served in sub-Saharan Africa and, you know, had this sort of traditional, like, wax fabric and and prints in their community uh, will really love this stuff. Because I know I have a few shirts that um, I brought back with me, but it feels like, you know, when when am I going to wear this shirt out? It's pretty bold, but I think 
the stuff that you're doing is done in such a way where you can, you know, wear this, you know, bold hoodie or pea coat and it, it feels way more acceptable <laughs> than uh, like the, cra- <laughs> the crazy shirts that I have. One of the inspirations I saw for Kala too is a lot of what I see with African fabrics that you can buy online are two extremes. Of one, I think it's the more conservative clothes of something you would maybe see a woman or a man in a typical village wearing. Or on the other extreme, it's the incredible fashion designers with very bold avant-garde themes that you see the sleeves go all the way down to the floor, or you see like jumpsuits and things that aren't very accessible for a lot of people to wear every day. But what I love is incorporating bits of that into our style with something as easy as an infinity scarf or a hoodie jacket. And for the people that are listening and, and want to, you know, check out or maybe buy some of this stuff, um, where's the best place to go for them? Is it the, the Indiegogo? Is that still running? Should they go to your Facebook? Mm-hmm. Uh, where? Yes, the Indiegogo campaign is still running. But actually, uh, something exciting that we're launching this month is we're finally launching the website for Kawa, kawaclothes.com. So all orders can be placed uh, directly through our webpage. Awesome. So is that going to be up uh, maybe by the time this uh, episode comes out? Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, everybody... uh, be sure to check it out. The link will be in the show notes at mypeacecorestory.com. And if you're interested in, in getting one of these things, uh, you're actually going to be giving away uh, two infinity scarves as part of this episode. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, these infinity scarves? Yes, the infinity scarf is this really easy to wear wraparound scarf looks great with a sweater, jacket. Um, you can wear it to the office. You can wear it getting coffee with your friends. Um, and something that I love about it is the bold color that we use. And especially with this kind of scarf, this is a handmade, one-of-a-kind item. And you're not going to see anyone wearing the same scarf as you. Um, it's something that I wear to the office in Kampala, too. And I, I'm so excited uh, to share this with more people. Definitely. And if, if you're listening right now and you're interested in entering the giveaway, we're going to be running them both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so you can either go to uh, the My Peace Corps Story uh, Facebook or Instagram or the Kawa Facebook or Instagram. They're going to be running in, in all of those places. One scarf will be going to a Facebook winner. One scarf will be going to an Instagram winner. And you'll see on those posts, uh, on the, the day that this episode goes live, you know, be checking out, uh, for that. They'll, they'll pop up and all the details of what you need to do to enter. And I wish people entering the best of luck. Uh, it's going to run for about two weeks. And then if you, uh, aren't fortunate enough to win one of these scarves, uh, definitely, you know, check out their website and, you know, pick one up. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a a favorite among the RPCV community. Well, Julie, uh, 
before we close out this episode, do you have anything else that you want to share with the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast, be it related to your time in El Salvador or the work that you're now doing with Kawa Clothing? Yes, um, that there's there's just so much in the Peace Corps experience. And I think if any listeners are current Peace Corps volunteers that are going through a challenging time, I would just want those listeners to realize that through their service, what a seed they're planting in their life and how much they're going to grow this experience but I know I definitely hit rocky points and lows in Peace Corps but um, I'm now even more and more grateful for everything that I've learned and through the work that I've been set up to um, to do today well, thank you very much for coming on and telling us uh, about your Peace Corps experience and Kawa. In closing out the show, do you have a favorite local saying from your Peace Corps service that you would like to share with us? Sure. Um, one quote that comes to mind is, El camarón que se duerme, se lo lleva la corriente. And that roughly translates to the shrimp who falls asleep is taken by the current. And why I love this saying is initially I thought it meant uh, when I was walking along the side of the road that eventually you're probably going to run into a pickup truck that would pick you up. So like the sleeping shrimp will be taken by the current. But then I actually learned the saying means um, like the sh- the sleeping shrimp, like one who's not putting a lot of effort into their life is going to be taken by the current, but probably a current that they don't want to be taken by. Well, thank you for sharing that saying. It's very uh, fitting for the work that you're doing, that you're not, you know, sitting by being, you know, passive, that you're doing great stuff, uh, both uh, and your your nine to five, and then after work uh, with the clothing brand that you're launching. So you are definitely not a sleeping shrimp. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. Once again, if you're interested in winning one of those infinity scarves, check out my Peace Corps story or Kawa on either Facebook, Instagram, or both. You can enter in both places and have more chances to win. And check out the show notes at mypeacecorestory.com slash Kawa, where you can learn more about uh, Julie's service and what she is currently doing. So thank you very much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and have been listening to the show, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you get a brand new episode when I release them every single Tuesday. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?